simply uh, putting a smoke bomb about uh, 12 inches or, or 24 inches off the ground, lighting that baby off. And if that smoke doesn't dissipate and it, it literally starts to move laterally or down for that matter, then you've got an inversion in place. That is Andrew Thostenson. Thostenson. I'm a pesticide program specialist. I work for North Dakota State University uh, Extension Service. I'm Jay Wetter, and this is the Canola Watch Podcast. Andrew Thostenson presented on air temperature inversions and their risks for spray drift at the Canna Lab at Lakeland College in Vermilion, Alberta. He starts this podcast with a definition. Essentially, temperature inversions are a, a weather phenomena that occurs uh, every every night uh, in in a cyclical situation with with the sun and and uh, and the absence of the sun during the nighttime hours. Uh, when the sun is no longer uh, sending down uh, as much radiation in the late afternoon and into the evening and certainly throughout the night and early morning hours, the uh, the objects on the earth. Uh, begin to cool the surrounding atmosphere. And so you get dense, cool air that begins to cool and congregate close to the ground. And as you get further away from the ground, the, uh, the air temperature begins to rise. And so when you make a pesticide application in that particular situation, especially uh, with finer spray droplets, and uh, when I mean fine spray droplets, I mean something of 200 microns or less in diameter. Um, what happens is, is those, those spray droplets do not have sufficient velocity or mass to be able to penetrate or uh, push through uh, the dense, cool air close to the ground. And when that happens, those spray droplets begin to move laterally. And they can move uh, oftentimes laterally for hundreds of feet or even miles or more. And usually when those spray droplets move in a place that you don't want them to go, um, it harms something. So you mentioned 200 microns or less. Is Is there any easy way to tell if your droplets are that tiny? Well, basically, uh, all pesticide applications uh, produce a range of spray droplets. Now, the amount or percentage of the actual spray that um, is our fine spray droplets are usually conditioned by two major factors. Uh, Spray pressure, which tends to increase the proportion of fine spray droplets. Uh, and also uh, a a nozzle uh, configuration, the size of the nozzle or the style or bowl. And so from a practical perspective, telling what, uh, you know, seeing or appreciating fine spray droplets are more a function of um, understanding the type of spray equipment that you're using and knowing uh, what that spray equipment is capable of producing at any particular pressure or gallonage per acre uh, applied. 
unfortunately, no uh, spray application is devoid of fine spray droplets. There will be a certain amount of them. It's just the amount or the concentration will vary uh, based on the equipment and how that equipment is set. You'd said the pressure being a factor in your sprayer settings. So what mm -hmm. if the thinking is that you just crank up the pressure to drive those smaller droplets down into the, into the ground or to the target? All right, well, let's think about this. Those spray droplets are so small and so they lack mass and velocity. So let's think about filling a shotgun uh, shell full of feathers and shooting that, that shell off through a shotgun. I can assure you that those feathers are just barely going to go outside of the muzzle. They're just not going to because feathers don't have any mass. They don't have any velocity, even though they may have velocity coming through that, that shotgun. Once they get out of that tube, they're just going to float off. Uh, as, as opposed to a coarse spray droplet or uh, lead shot shells or steel sh uh, uh, shot, that has sufficient mass. And so... Uh, you know, no matter how hard you try to push uh, spray droplets through a system, if they're small, if they're fine, if they don't have any mass, they're not going anywhere except sideways. You're listening to a Canola Watch podcast. My guest today is Andrew Thostenson from North Dakota State University in Fargo. For more on this topic, Thostenson co-authored the excellent document, Air Temperature Inversions, Causes, Characteristics and Potential Effects on Pesticide Spray Drift. It was published by North Dakota State University's Extension Service. Now, back to our conversation. All right, a problematic inversion situation is going to occur when wind speeds are three miles per hour or less and or when we get into a situation of clear skies. And when I say clear skies, I mean 25% or less cloud cover. Now, what happens is, is that temperature inversion will start to build in the mid to late afternoon hours as the sun begins to set. And it will intensify until just after sunrise. And then as the sun comes up and starts to heat the ground, then the inversion begins to dissipate. Now, obviously, an application made sometime in the early after mid-afternoon to early evening hours can move laterally for hours and hours on end. So if we just think about a wind speed of an average of two miles per hour and an application made, uh, let's just say, around four or five o'clock in the evening, um, then that uh, material can move 5, 10, maybe 15 miles downrange if there's no objects or something in the way of obstructing it. Now, oftentimes, trees and shelter belts and just topography can intercept those things. There's been some work done with Washington State University in uh, 
uh, Eastern Washington down in the States. And they have, uh, they believe they've demonstrate, demonstrated uh, a drift for as much as 50 to 60 miles. Now, those are extraordinarily unique conditions, um, but the potential exists for extremely long range movement of pesticides, and that definitely is not a good thing. Let's close off then with a few of those examples of how a farmer might be able to recognize the, uh, an inversion situation. All right, so the first one and the easiest one is if you've got a frost warning in the springtime that Environment Canada comes off and, uh, and is providing, that in itself is uh, about a 95 or 98% chance that temperature inversions are going to be a problem. Because you can't get frost in a high wind situation uh, with, with cloud cover. It's, it's clear skies and low wind speeds. The next thing you could do is, is look around you. If you can, uh, if odors uh, linger in the air, uh, smoke or manure, uh, if those odors seem a bit more intense, there's usually an inversion in place because odors are trapped close to the Earth's surface in an inversion situation. Uh, sound waves. Uh, sounds really carry in an inversion situation. Why not just take your uh, spray equipment and drive across your field, not spraying, and then just look behind you and see if there's any dust hanging in the air. If there's dust hanging in the air, then spraying is probably not a very good idea. It may seem uh, a bit elementary and it may be uh, something that folks don't want to fuss with, but uh, putting a smoke bomb about uh, uh, 12 inches or, or 24 inches off the ground, lighting that baby off, and if that smoke doesn't dissipate and it, it literally starts to move laterally or down for that matter, then you've got an inversion in place. You know, obviously you could measure uh, uh, the temperature at about, uh, say, uh, a meter high uh, versus uh, something well above your head or crawl up onto a piece of spray equipment where you're three meters off the ground and see if there's a temperature spread. If there's a significant temperature spread, you may be concerned about that. I asked Thostenson if he had any last points to get across. I would always be more concerned about an afternoon or evening inversion as opposed to a morning one. Now, inversions are bad anytime, but in the afternoon or evening, it's only going to get worse and it's going to hang around for hours and hours and hours. In the morning hours, you will have an inversion in place, but the sun is on your side. So things are going to get better as the sun warms the air. So if I were going to be really, really worried about a temperature inversion, I would be looking at those afternoon and evening hours, and those would be the ones that concern me the most. The morning hours are important, don't get me wrong, but be watching for those afternoon and evening uh, uh, conditions because those are the ones that could sneak up on you and cause you the most amount of grief. Um, 
And then the other thing is, is uh, this is my own personal bias, but I would worry more about spraying pesticides when the winds are low to non-existent as opposed to spraying on a windy day. When that wind speed is four, five, six, up to 10 miles per hour, we know which way that pesticide is moving. Even if we got winds approaching 15 or 20 miles per hour, we know where that pesticide is going. And with that amount of wind, we get a lot of mixing and tumbling and evaporation of the spray droplet. So it doesn't move in a concentrated layer. If you were to go out and spray a, uh, a, a broadleaf herbicide in small grains and had a very tender field of canola downrange, you would see some damage, but it would be along the borders and it would begin to dissipate in that canola field. But in an inversion situation, that spray droplet is going to move laterally and it may take out an entire field rather than just the borders or edges of that field. So if you're gonna err, it's better to err when you have more wind than less. You know, I think that's such a good point, Andrew, because we, we usually talk about spraying when it's too windy, you know, don't do it. But, yep. but the conversation about spraying when it's calm I mean, yep. often the, the, the thinking is that's perfect for spray. Yep. Yep. Calm spray, uh, calm weather conditions are uh, extremely problematic for pesticide applications. You can't predict which way those pesticide spray droplets are going to go. And uh, uh, that means it's probably going to go to a place you don't want it to go. Thank you, Andrew Thostenson. You can find a link to NDSU's Air Temperature Inversions fact sheet in the article Key Messages from Canalab 2017 at canolawatch.org. While there, sign up to receive our free agronomy newsletter with management tips on what our agronomists are seeing and hearing throughout the growing season. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jay Wetter. Canola Watch is an agronomy service provided by the Canola Council of Canada and funded in part by grower levy contributions to the provincial canola organizations.